We have all had painful events in our lives that can lead to depression, anxiety, addiction, or broken relationships. But here's a secret. It is not about what happened to us that causes suffering. It's the stories we believe about ourselves. Join us as we shine light on how to rewrite our stories, avoid the shadows of shame, and travel along the pathway to joy, love, and connection. It's the Finding Peace Podcast with your host, Amazon best-selling author, Troy L. Love. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Finding Peace Podcast. During this episode, I'm going to be walking John through the Finding Peace worksheet. John grew up in a home with a mother and father who loved him, and his parents are still married. Over the course of his life, he has struggled with lots of things, including sex and porn addiction, and he has also gone through one divorce. He is a 40-year-old man with children, and he is in recovery, working through his issues, doing his best to improve his current marriage and to live a happier life. Please join me in welcoming John to this week's Finding Peace podcast. Identifying the problem is almost half the battle, it seems like, that, you know, where I came from, not even recognizing them before and being stuck in that doom loop that, you know, that's, uh, it's been incredibly helpful for relationships. Good. So good. All right. Were you ready? I'm ready. There it is. Okay. I'll ever be. <laughs> Here we go. What is the issue that you would like to have a little bit more peace about today? So the issue I really discovered recently was that my parents have, well, let me back up just a second. My parents and I both have a very restrictive access to my youngest daughter because of my Mm. ex-wife and because of acting out in the past. And so both of us get to have visits very infrequently. And whenever my parents make an arrangement, to go see my ex-wife and visit their granddaughter that, you know, there's a lot of tension between my ex and all of us. And so they don't share or I don't find out when they're going, what they're going to do until kind of like the day of maybe. And Mm. so that brings up a lot of fear and uh, anxiety within me um, about how my parents feel towards me how their relationship is with my ex-wife and there's a lot of fear that what I hear from them may or may not be what they truly feel about me just because of all the complexities around that relationship and so based on what you just shared if you could summarize that into one to two sentences about what the facts are, what would you say the facts are? I would say the facts are that my parents go to visit their granddaughter and that I am not part of the planning process. And I don't find out about those plans until they're very soon about to happen. 
So if I'm hearing you, they plan to go visit your daughter, but they don't tell you. Correct. And are they planning on going without you? Yes. But yeah, because of the situation with my ex that I am generally not invited around at the same time and have okay. even more restrictive access to my daughter. Hmm. Like they can go to their house, but I can't and things like that. My parents live about two hours away from them. So, you know, it is just by nature a rare occurrence that they have an opportunity. And so it has to be pretty well planned out. It's not like something you can just drop by and say, oh, I'm going to go pick her up from school or, you know, have her over this weekend or whatever. It's It, it takes some planning to to arrange schedules and things like that. And I guess the other important thing to note is that there was a time that I was suicidal. And I, I think that's where a lot of my fear around my parents comes out because they are very concerned that, that I would take my life. So I fear that the support I get from them and the things I hear from them are, it's all the positive things and that's great. But I hear a worry that I only hear the positive things and the fear of what their negative thoughts are about me. They're an unknown for me. And that's what feeds my fear that they like my ex better or have that side. I'm not good enough to, to hear the truth. I'm not strong enough to, to hear it. That helps me understand a lot. So if we go to the facts, the facts are that they visit your daughter on occasion. They live far away. So making plans to go visit her don't just happen willy nilly. And so they must have known for a while that they were going and they don't tell you until the last minute. That's right. And you don't see your daughter more than maybe once a month. That's right. Okay. So when that happens, when you find out that they are going or you find out that they've made plans and they didn't tell you, what attachment wound gets hit? I've always wanted to say it's a fear of rejection, but I also think there's a little bit of betrayal in there that, that I'm, I'm not worthy of being involved or just even knowing whatever it is they're planning around my own daughter. Yeah. So how long have you had a rejection wound? Pretty sure my rejection wounds goes back to at least in high school. And I've been kind of working on that. I have hunches that it goes back even longer. So. Hmm. And how long have you had a betrayal wound? That one feels pretty new. Um, mm-hmm. I've only even recently started to consider that it's there. So mm-hmm. I haven't studied it too much. So you recently become familiar with that you have it, but you don't actually know how long it's been around. Yeah. Yeah. I've, um, I've kind of started to come to grips recently that my impressions of my childhood and all of that were that everything was great. You know, there was no problems. Um, you know, my parents could walk on water, uh, and through this mm-hmm. recovery type effort, you know, it's, I'm starting to see behind the curtain a little bit of what my own 
mind has put into place. Mm -hmm. Very good. When your rejection wound gets bumped, it activates some core emotions that you've had about yourself for a while. So they come in three genres of core beliefs, the identity genre, the safety or distrust of others genre or the powerlessness genre. And it could be a combination of all three. As you take a look at what those wounds are, what are the core belief? What's the primary core belief that really gets activated? It gets definitely that that I'm not good enough. You know, I fear that I'm not good enough to be involved or to even know and I don't know if it's part of it, but the, the powerlessness, like I tell myself, maybe this is how I kind of soothe it, is that I'm, I'm powerless to change anything about it. You know, it's not my place to tell them who to make plans with or what they could or shouldn't say on my behalf. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, okay, don't worry about it. And I, that mm-hmm. lets me just ignore the situation even though I feel this tension with my parents around the situation. So Hmm. I guess it's also a little bit of trust too, that they don't trust me with the information, whether it's what I'll do to myself or if I would try to intervene somehow or another, I don't, I don't know what that is, but it does feel like they view me as untrustworthy as well. So, Hmm. so they view you as if there is something wrong with you. Right. Yeah. The, the unspoken things. Mm-hmm. So the the core, core belief is there is something wrong with me. Absolutely. So when, when that wound gets hit and when that core belief starts running as the operating system, what do you end up feeling? I think with this issue, it's mostly fear. You know, fear of what they'll talk about me or fear that it's another chance that you know, another month gone by or whatever that my daughter hasn't seen me or heard from me or heard a message from me. And if any of that is true, what are you afraid that means for your relationship with your daughter? That I'm not a good father. Oh, so it goes back to I'm a bad dad. Yeah, I mean, the things from my past are, you know, affecting my ability to be involved in my kid's life. Hmm. So the fear really ramps up the core belief that there is something really wrong with me. Yeah. I'm also seeing sadness. Sadness comes from a sense that I'm losing something. I don't know if it's going to come back the way it was before. So what are you, what are you losing? No, I think of any one particular visit. I don't know that sadness... I don't think of it as involved with that. It's sadness of a lost opportunity, you know, to yeah, you're losing to time. that. I guess, if anything, the, the sadness that makes me feel right now is just the totality of the relationship that, you know, she's been robbed of a quote-unquote normal or good relationship with her father or whatever that may be. But And so have you. Sorry, I don't know the most delicate way to do this. I can see there is a lot of sadness. I can see there's a lot of fear. And and it's interesting as I'm hearing you talk, it it gets wrapped right back up into, well, it's because there's something wrong with me. 
which makes sense because that's that's what happens when all of this goes along is the shadows of shame show up to help us deal with the pain of disconnection so who shows up a lot around this for you um definitely the judge is there telling me that you know i'm not good enough that i'm not worthy of having input into anything about the meeting i think the i don't know if the martyr's there i was going to say the martyr just because that i won't even try and interject myself in any way to to heal that wound or to to initiate a discussion to clear up you know my my fears or whatever that that may i don't know if that's martyr or impotent one but well you won't because i won't because it won't do me any good you're afraid that they're gonna tell you yeah there's something that we don't like about you right yeah okay convince them to talk honestly that that I wouldn't like what I hear. I'm hearing that that's actually the politician and the impotent one. So the politician says things like, don't tell, don't bring it up, don't uh, make waves because you'll actually find out they don't really like you. Uh, you'll find out you'll lose their love for you. You'll, you'll lose their votes for you, basically. So just put on a mask and pretend and everything's fine. Martyrs says... You have to take care of your parents' wounds. Mm-hmm. You need to not, your needs don't matter, only their needs matter. So the politician could also be there. But I'm I'm hearing the, the politicians like, don't bring it up. Just don't bring it up. You'll probably find out that they hate you. And then the impotent one is like, yeah, this is not going to be good. It won't work out. The conversation will fail. It would just be awful. Yeah. Yeah, the- you put it that way, I would politician sounds like it fits better fits better. So. Yeah. So what does your judge look like? I don't know. I'm I'm a pretty literal guy. I, I tend to picture the judge as the guy in the black robe. Uh, that that's very common. How big is he? Compared to other situations, he feels smaller to me in this with this wound. To describe him, I'd put him like just beyond this wall as a life size judge, you know. Okay. Six cool. feet tall. Black nice. All right. And what does your politician look like? I guess the image that comes to mind is the kind of like a used car salesman, mm. you know, um, trying to to sell me on the idea that that I'm that I'm not good enough to even make an attempt, and to that we just want it to look good on the outside, no matter how many mm-hmm. miles it's actually going to run. And then the impotent one. Never had a vision of this one. Um, I think in this particular wound, though, that that impotent one feels larger for me. That that I don't have any control over the situation. What does it sound like? I'd say I don't know. For some reason, I'm getting this image of like a like a big baby, hmm. uh, like wearing diapers, sitting there. And it says what? Just just stay out of it. It's not our business. It's just not going to work out well. Yeah, there's no, there's no point in, in trying to, trying to affect whatever it is that I may want to. You know, feel like it's an improvement. So, where does the impotent one get the belief that it won't matter? I think it's comes from a place that 
the giving offering my opinion on or just my desires of what I'd like to see happen when they go to visit her, you know, that uh, just offering that is stepping out of line that, um, you know, they're entitled, my parents are entitled to have a relationship with my ex or my daughter in whatever form they see fit and that it's, it's not my place to, to tell them or for them to even consider what I would like. You know, hmm. there's I the guess, martyr right there. And same for my ex, you know, like I learned a long time ago that not to, to interject things that I would want because that's quote unquote, not, not what's in the best interest of our daughters. It's, that's just what John wants. Hmm. So you have had a history of people telling you that what you want doesn't matter think the person that says it the most is myself hmm. aka your martyr yeah yeah um, what does your martyr look like question uh, I feel like I'm like search movies I've seen for what a martyr should look like I don't even know well what does it say um, you know that everybody else's feelings are more important than yours that you know, if you don't rock the boat it makes life go by easier. Hmm. Keep the peace. Mm -hmm. So in your mind, what would the persona of the martyr look like if it's saying that kind of stuff to you? It's a weird sense. It almost looks like a policeman or a security guard or something that someone's mm. just trying to calm the crowd kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to imagine that you're in a dark room, and there's one light overhead. So there's kind of a circle of light, but the rest of you can't see in the dark. But in each of the four corners of the room, you can hear each one of those shadows. The judge telling you that you've messed up. There is something wrong with you. You are a disappointment. You are an awful human. The politician who says, don't ask questions. Don't rock the boat. Because then you will actually find out they don't like you. They haven't liked you. They don't love you. Don't say anything because the truth will be revealed. They don't want you to be around. The martyr saying to you that. Your needs don't matter. You have no right to ask for anything. Your parents are entitled to have opportunities to be with your granddaughter. You don't have a right to say anything about that or vocalize your opinion. And the impotent one who says... This is just never going to work out well. No matter what you do, no matter how well you advocate for yourself or speak up, it is just going to go downhill. So, shut your mouth. Sound about right? Mm -hmm. Just notice what you feel. You can't see them, but they're there in the shadows. Just notice what you feel as you hear all them talking to you. You've messed up. There is something wrong with you. You are a disappointment. You are an awful human. Don't ask questions. Don't rock the boat. Because then you will actually find out they don't like you. They haven't liked you. They don't love you. Don't say anything because the truth will be revealed. They don't want you to be around. Your needs don't matter. You have no right to ask for anything. Your parents are entitled to have opportunities to be with your granddaughter. You don't have a right to say anything about that this or vocalize your opinion. This is never going to work out well. No matter what you do, 
no matter how well you advocate for yourself or speak up. It is just going to go downhill. So, shut your mouth. You're outnumbered, yeah. Yeah. Does that feel familiar? Yeah, in a lot of ways it does. Mm-hmm. So normally, when you're feeling outnumbered like this, what do you end up doing? Just trying to blend in. Don't rock the boat. You know, make make it as easy to get a consensus and get everybody marching forward on the same mm. path again. What are you feeling right now? Feeling like I'm being trapped almost. It doesn't sound nice, that's for sure. You end up playing small. You end up doing a lot of peacemaking. Small, small hits home. Trying to make myself insignificant. Yeah, as tiny as you possibly can, so that. Slip by the situation and get out on the other end once it's all over and try to forget it happened. What do you want to do with these guys? I want to shut them up and put them in the shadows. All right. Who should we deal with first? Let's go in reverse order. Feel less threatening that way. <laughs> sure. Who's first? The impotent one. All right. Maybe. So I want you to imagine the impotent one kind of toddles out into the light. You can see it. This is just never going to work out well. No matter what you do. No matter how well you advocate for yourself or speak up. It is just going to go downhill. So... Shut your mouth. And I want you to say to it, I can see you right there. I can see you right there. And what does it do? It looks, it sounds so weird. It's like it's shaking a baby rattle angrily back at me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't want to be seen. Now ask it, what wound are you trying to help me deal with by telling me that it's just not going to work out that well? preserve a relationship with my parents that you know speaking up is gonna jeopardize the the good on the facade and if that happens feelings. then your parents would do what yeah that they would they would reject me and I would lose their support for all the things mm. I'm going through so they would withdraw from you so the impotent one is trying to prevent you from from their rejection and their withdrawal from you. Yeah. All right. That seems like it would really matter to you that you don't want that to happen. Love my parents. I can tell. So can you tell the impotent one thank you for trying to take care of that scared part of yourself and and express gratitude that it's trying to care for you. What does it do? I like see him crawling back. Hmm. Kind of pulls away from you a little bit. The realization that the shadows have a helpful desires is is refreshing and still seems to catch me off guard. Yeah, they're not very good at their jobs, but they do they do care about you. Yeah, as weird as it seems. <laughs> so who's next? 
Let's go with the martyr. All right. So the martyr's saying... Your needs don't matter. You have no right to ask for anything. Your parents are entitled to have opportunities to be with your granddaughter. You don't have a right to say anything about that or vocalize your opinion. So this security guard martyr figure steps into the light and I want you to say, I can see you standing there. And just notice what it does when you call it out. It's like there's a bleeding look on his face. Just uh, just keep the peace. Don't try. It's really worried for you. Ask it what it's worried about. In case worried that people know what I want, you know, that they can reject it. They can judge me for it. They'll use it against you. Yeah. If I don't, if I don't have needs, you know, they, or if I don't have expectations, then I can't get disappointed. Mm-hmm. So I want you to also have the politician step into the light so you can see that used car salesman standing there and just say to it, I can see you too. And just notice what it does, what he does. He's it's like if he has his way that he looks pleased that he has his way right now that you know, everybody can just. think that I'm okay with the way things are. They won't worry about mm. me. Mm. And then they won't leave, right? They won't, they won't share any scary you. news or anything. Yeah. So can you offer gratitude to both of them for also trying to help you deal with your pain? So constructive conflict or even just difficult conversations is, is uh, been something I've read from for a long time. And, and I guess these guys were, you know, facilitating that to preserve, you know, what we have left. Mm-hmm. They really don't want you to lose anything else because you've lost a lot already. And as you notice that, what are they doing? They're moving backwards, but it feels slower. Like mm-hmm. they're pretty comfortable being in my space. Yeah, they are really trying to protect you. We'll deal with them a little bit more in just a second. Still with the judge first. So he steps into the light, standing there, and the same thing. I can see you. I see you standing there right there, trying to tell me that I'm not enough, that I don't matter, that I don't measure up. What are you trying to protect me from? He's really, if it's like responsibility for myself, like if I I am good enough that I have to, you know, step up, and take ownership. 
you you don't your emotions are welcome here, man. Oh. Your snot is welcome here. Yeah, no. If I'm just if I'm not enough, it, it it's also going back to that it's hard to feel more, you know. If if I was enough, then I have room to fall back down. Mm. Something to lose. If he can just keep you under his thumb. You won't have to risk any more rejection. Yeah. Hmm. So he too is really trying to prevent you from further hurt around rejection. Can you tell him thank you too? I think it's, uh, you know, if I'm not good enough, then, you know, for my parents, that one's big about them rejecting and leaving as well. You're really afraid you're going to lose them, too. Wouldn't have much left. Mm-hmm. Feels that way. I know it's not true. But... Just honor that that's a fear. And these four shadows have been trying to help you deal with it for a while. So, take a deep breath. What is the truth? Truth is that I am enough that my thoughts and feelings about this issue deserve to be heard, be known. They're worthy of being heard. Considered. You are worthy of being heard. So you said, the truth is I am enough. On a scale of one to seven, how true do you believe that to be right now? Seven being absolutely true. Um, I've come a long way in my self-acceptance, so I'd put it around a six for now. Oh, I love it. Okay. Where in your body do you feel that truth? I mean, it's, it's around my heart. If I had a color, what color would it be? It's red. And if it had a temperature, what temperature would it have? Well, above body temperature, like a warm mm-hmm. 99 degrees. Nice. And if I had a texture, what texture would it have? It was like a, a fluffy blanket wrapped around it. So I want you to breathe into that truth. I am enough. And with every exhale, I want you to imagine that as you're standing in that room with the shadows, that energy gets a little brighter and a little stronger and emanates out from you a little bit at a time until you are just glowing in that room. And as you look at the martyr and you look at the politician and the impotent one and the judge, You speak your truth. I am enough. My feelings matter. My wishes are important. And what do they do? It's like uh, they're sitting in their corner, but I feel like a bubble has surrounded the whole room. Like there's still a part of the family but they're they're in a quiet time out 
Yeah, they don't have anything else to say right now. So from this place of truth, that you are enough, that you matter, what do you need? And it's not what do you need to do. What do you need? I need reassurance from them that that I won't be rejected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, how might you get that? So, um, I actually signed up to join you on this podcast. And it was because they were found out they were going to visit her the very next day. And I was like, oh, mm. this is a wound I need to work through. And um, and I debated, talked to my therapist about, you know, should I talk to them first or come here and work through this first? And um, time just worked itself out that it, I didn't talk to them. But, um, but I think how I will get that is to be vulnerable and, and share these feelings and, you know, trust that, that the, you know, the love and support that, that I think they have for me that is, is really true and that the shadows have just been protecting me of that fear. And so that, when they hear, you know, what I've struggled with, that they'll, they'll be reassuring that, that, that the shadows were wrong as well. Hmm. That sounds like a wonderful idea. I guess I'm still questioning whether or not it necessarily changes anything, you know, uh, as far as what they'll say to or around my ex or to my daughter uh, I I fear for them that if they talk about me at all that my ex would limit their access more than what they're allowed now and uh, you know would be detrimental to anybody being able to visit with my daughter so you're really afraid that you're going to lose the ability to visit your daughter yeah that's what this really is about. Worried about feeling like a bad father, the fear of rejection of my parents. So what do you know to be true about you? That I am enough, I'm worthy of love and belonging, and my ideas and opinions deserve to be heard. Mm-hmm. Even if the other person's not willing to listen. Right. They have, they at least have the information and the opportunity to do something other than my assumption. Mm -hmm. And with any luck, surprises can happen. (laughs) I, I noticed that my impotent one is really good at like painting this horrible story about how bad this conversation's going to go and, all that stuff, and it usually doesn't turn out as bad as it thought it was going to be. Especially if I don't 
come across blamey and angry, but really from a sense of, I'm really scared. I'm scared to lose you. Scared that I'm going to lose my daughter. And here's some of what's been going on with me. Yeah, there's been a, a lot of changes over the last three months. They shifted majorly in the worst direction. And I've kind of been building out of that much healthier and better way than I have in the past. So there's a lot of optimism. And the last time I you know, really talked to my parents, it was in the, a fresh trauma type atmosphere and it's it's deserving to have have that again so mm. we'll take a deep breath just kind of connect with what you're feeling And say your truth one more time. I am enough, worthy of love and belonging. My opinions are worthy of being heard. Proud of you, man. Thanks, Troy interesting he said I don't know if anything changed and maybe nothing did but something shifted yeah like you know like I was saying I've, I've, I had the realization that you know what needs to happen for a little while but uh really personifying those the shadows and talking to them and giving them the gratitude is a huge piece of the puzzle that that I don't focus on enough I think that's what I was saying in the middle of all of that was the some part I struggle with, I guess. So Well, we all do, man. Even me. I'm so proud of you. Keep me posted on how things shift. Well, yeah, I, I just got a lot of optimism that things will be better. Well, really I believe that when we can really connect with our truth, that we are enough and that we matter, it strengthens our ability to advocate for ourselves that strengthens our ability to have empathy and compassion strengthens our ability to take ownership of the things that we've done it just makes it easier for us to build those connections instead of shame yeah. so yeah you're in much better place dude yeah it really is i am thankful that you were willing to hang out with me today all right man have a wonderful rest of your, your day brother all right You've been listening to the Finding Peace podcast. If you love the show or want to ask a question, let us know by going to findingpeaceconsulting.com. There, you can also learn about the Finding Peace 5-Day Challenge. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next episode. And if you are listening on iTunes, please give us a 5-star rating. It really does help other people find this podcast more easily. Thank you for spending part of your journey with us. And a special thanks to Johnny Porter for producing the show and A.G. Flux for the new background music. Copyright Finding Peace Consulting.